Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we're wrapping up Couples Week. We are. It is the month of love. It is. And we are not presenting we are that to you. bringing you, you hate. <laughs> for uh, sure. Well, for all the people that hate Valentine's Day, you're welcome. You know, yeah. If you've got the love stinks vibe going on. Yes. Yeah. These yeah. are for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to tell you, I was very excited to find this case because... You know, I'm a huge sports fan, and I constantly watch ESPN. Yes. Way more. Like, people watch reality TV. Charnel be watching ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know I love me some trash TV, so yes. I'm over watching that. We're a wonderful balance. You send mm-hmm. me your trash TV stuff, and I send you pictures of hot NFL I do. I do think I'll, be be, I'll become a fan soon, because I've seen, oh, yeah. I've seen some nice-looking men out there. <laughs> they exist. In the sports world. This is actually... From an episode of ESPN does these um, like little blurbs on on people's lives and and whatnot. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and they actually get really emotional in them, and it's it's a little documentary on different professional players' lives and things like that. So they do these little mini documentaries called E uh, E sixty. Okay, and I stumbled across this one and was like, this is perfect for couples week. And it's just makes me giddy because I get to say ESPN. Oh, and I, it's a I win. get to cover some, a professional athlete's yeah. life story. It's a win-win. And then even better, I discovered that he wrote a book about this. And so that is my main source. It was just a delightful little snack. It's like 176 pages. Oh, a little light read. I read it this afternoon. It's called I Walked on My Own Grave by Ramon Sosa. The title pulls me in. It it really will. So I'll tell you a little bit about Ramon. He grew up in a typical, well-rounded family. He has two older siblings, an older brother and an older sister, and then a younger sister. Uh, His family moved from Puerto Rico to New York City when he was just five years old. He had started school in Brooklyn, uh, but it really did not last very long. You know, early 1970s Brooklyn was not what his father had in mind for him and his family, So they moved back to Puerto Rico. And this is where his love of boxing began because his dad was actually a professional wrestler. Oh, okay. And so he was in the gym a lot with his dad. And he wasn't so much in love with the wrestling part, but he fell in love with with boxing. You know, at the gyms, there's a lot of different things going, going on. And he started to take note of the boxers and... And really just started, that's from a very early age, where where it all started for him. And so Ramon Sosa ended up being one of the best known boxing trainers in Southeast Texas. Oh, he, wow. He does end up uh, leaving Puerto Rico and moving to Texas. You know, I used to have a thing for Oscar de la Hoya. Uh, really? My heart and soul. Yes. He was such a beautiful man. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll give him a purr. It made me enjoy boxing. Yes. For a time. I think it made everyone for a short period at least. Yep. I don't know why I shared that with you. That's okay. The world likes to know things. I do like to spit random facts out. You do. So that's your fact for today. Thank you. So Ramon was actually a former professional fighter himself. He taught some pros. He taught Olympic hopefuls how to spar in like the Puerto Rican way, which is much more fast paced than say the American way or whatnot. So he had a, had a certain step and technique about him that he would train up, you know, up and coming boxers. Okay. For, and like I said, Olympic hopefuls. Now, one of the awesome things about him is that he really enjoyed shaping youth, especially youth who weren't really given a fair lot in life, okay? So he would help pull kids that would have typically ended up on the streets or in gangs. Some of them legitimately were in gangs. Pull them into his gym, make them a part of his family, and train them and guide them and give them a skill. I love that. Yes, me too. And so he ends up... And I'm not doing necessarily a chronological timeline here with his with his life, but I, there's just certain pieces I need you to know before we get to more of the bulk of the story. Okay. But he does start a nonprofit called the Young Prospects Boxing Program, and it was for kids that had troubled backgrounds, were in gangs, and things like that, and they were funneled through his nonprofit. He boxing sounds program. delightful. So I don't know where this is going. I know, and he seriously, he really wonderful is. man. And, And I'm not trying to be vague in, you know, usually when I read a book, I do a deep dive and whatnot, but there are certain things from, he really talks in depth about his, uh, up, you know, his family, his upbringing, things like that, that, you know, you can get those from his book absolutely Mm -hmm. in his own words. So I'm not trying to like gloss over it all. It's just that it's not necessarily relevant to the story because he's our victim. He's not our perpetrator. So it's not really going to help us understand what happened to him. Okay. Gotcha. I didn't realize he was the victim at first. So I was like, this man sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be so sad then. Right. Ramon Sosa had done really well for himself. Okay. He had started a gym in a successful area of Texas known as the Woodlands. It was kind of, it was an upscale area. Now this gym brought in about $20,000 a month or so, which gave him the freedom to, to buy things. Plus he had, had kind of made his way with the professional boxing, things like that. So he, so he had some money, you know, he had, he was able to, to kind of invest some things. He speaks in the book about how, what turned him off to professional boxing is he said that there are, quote, people are trying to make money off you in so many different ways. I was nothing but a piece of meat, end Oh, quote. I could see how that you'd For feel sure. just used. Absolutely. If you know anything about boxing or have watched any of the boxing movies, you can clearly see people are profiting off from you getting in that ring oh, yeah. and getting your ass kicked or you kicking someone else's ass or both simultaneously. Know, people love to like bet on the fight. They do. I mean, we've seen Rocky. Yeah, Right. So, I mean, just the sacrifice as a boxer that you're making and making all these other people around you rich, I can completely see. You're the one doing all it. the work and the sacrifice. Yeah. So um, so he went to, to start training professional boxers and, and whatnot. 
he was kind of turned off to that as well because of the arrogance and just the people surrounding all of that. I'm kind of being vague here, but he just didn't love that whole scene. And so that is when he more so went to to training kind of younger, like up and coming. Yeah, so it's like he loved of, the sport, but the sketchiness in kind of surrounding it, he didn't love that. Yep, yep. He said he returned to Houston and discovered that the real calling wasn't in the center of the ring, but in the corner. He began training pros from the Houston area, and he was traveling like to fights, of course, in Las Vegas. Vegas. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. <laughs> in Las Vegas and New Jersey. And he even visited the Playboy mas- Mansion, posed for photos next to Hugh himself. Gross. Like, right. Sorry. Oh, I agree. I hate that guy. Mike Tyson, um, he said, you know, basically like boxing at the professional level, it's entertainment. You get to see a lot of celebrities, all bills paid and everything. But he got soured on the pro scene again because of all that. I mean, think of everything I just named. Yeah. Vegas. Hefner. It's the fast uh, like, life. Yeah. And so he turned to training young amateurs instead. Aww. He said, um, those those the young amateurs do it for the love for the heart of it, something other than the money of mm-hmm. it. And that's what appealed to him. So it was just more of like, I, I feel like it would be more rewarding. Oh, yeah. Most, it's like they love the yep, sport. Most definitely. Now, he um, he had been married for 10 years to a woman named Dolores. They had three beautiful children together. And it, it in 2000, his uh, relationship didn't work out and they got divorced. And his children primarily lived with their mom. But, of course, with his traveling schedule... That really only makes sense. But he was extremely involved in their life. He was not a an absent father at all. He just traveled mm-hmm. a lot for his job. Yep, but he was there, you know, special uh-huh. occasions, birthdays, visits, all those things he, he had his kids for. So I'm going to then talk to you about who becomes his second wife. So we're going to enter Maria Dolores Delantes, but everyone called her Lulu. Oh. So that's what I'm going to call her from here on out. Okay. Lulu. In 2007, Lulu and Ramon met by happenstance at a Mexican restaurant that played live music after 10 p.m. in the upscale neighborhood of the Woodlands in Texas. She was long and lean. She was gorgeous. She had those. She sounds like a dream. Oh, yeah. Those those childbearing hips. That's right. They swayed back and forth. They caught the attention of Ramon. Of course. It's, he l- probably loves him a beautiful woman. Oh, absolutely. Who doesn't? Right. They probably Her hips would have caught my attention, uh, you too. You know, same here. He said, quote, I saw her when, when I first walked in. She was on the dance floor. They were playing salsa. I said, man, that is a beautiful lady. Mm. End quote. Right away, he Hook, saw her. Hook, line, and sinker. Now, Ramon was wearing a Versace sweater and one of his most expensive watches to get inside the trendy latin club to begin with you got it's up you gotta look good yeah you yeah. gotta you, they don't just let anybody in so he buys a beer and he planned to just watch lulu dance like he oh. saw her right away and he's like i'm just gonna sit just here gonna and just enjoy the view absolutely but she ends up walking past him and with her really tall heels steps on his toe and doesn't just step on it like stepped on it and it caused him significant pain oh ouch it was 
noticeably hard. I mean, if he had a bare sa- uh, open toe sandal on, oh, a heel could really he would have lost damage. a toe. Yeah, it would amputated directly right there yeah, for sure. So he explains like that. Her, he said, "I t- I said to her, oh my goodness, I see stars." I bent down and she was asking, "Please, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What can I do?" And so he's like, "You can oh, give me a dance, <laughs> right?" <laughs> Funny, well, Lulu. Funny you should ask that. Yeah, but all he asked for was a dance. Aww. And he says that she captivated him right from the beginning. And she was the type of person, just from the beginning of their relationship, she's giving him, sending him nice messages, giving him manicures, giving him massages, pedicures. If he was drinking something, she wouldn't even let him finish it before she's filling it up again. She was taking care of him. She was. And she would, like, he literally says, like, she would serve my plate. Like, she would serve me, you know. And he's like, it was just a little bit overboard the way she treated me, but he was captivated by it. Mm -hmm. So he's clearly in love. And they fell really hard and fast. Now, Ramon admits that he was completely seduced by Lulu. Oh, of course. He actually even said in the book, literally, he's like, I was never forced or coerced into her bed. If anything, I had to be coerced out of it. Like, they, you know. She sounds like a hot little number. She was, and they were hot and heavy. He's a boxer, so you know he's got those muscles. Very much unlike my couple from earlier. Yes. Opposite different. They were case. Yeah. Yep. Passionate. And so he he did tell of this story early on in their courtship where he woke up one Sunday morning and he could smell cigars. He's like, Well, that's weird, you know? And he kind of walks out of the bedroom and sees that she has this little black statue that usually is perched by the door and he never really paid much attention to it. And but now he she's moved it and he's watching her perform like a ritual. She's she's in front of it, there's candles lit on either side and she's praying very very hard and he doesn't understand the words but he understands that she's desperately praying for something. And she's rubbing this statue with oil, and he's, like, really kind of entranced in watching this. Like, this is this is intense, you know? Uh-huh. He recognizes that she's practicing Santeria, which I hope I'm saying that correct. I know I'm not rolling my R but correctly, but let me explain a little bit what that is. So when the slave trade brought many Africans to Brazil, Cuba, Haiti— Caribbean territories, southern USA, they were forced to convert to Catholicism when they arrived, you know, into the new world. But many practiced their native religion, Santeria, in secret, often in their elders' homes, or in this case, their own home, which is what she was doing. Now, people who are ignorant to the culture of Santeria believe that its rituals, that its rituals sacrifice animals and worship the devil, which is Often common misconception. I mean, if if it was not Christianity, then you're there must be sacrificing of virgins, oh, yeah. animals, babies, it's evil. and it's, yep, and yeah. you're worshiping the devil. So that does not. This does not. This tracks. You know. So he said clearly, it is known that there are people who would use this religion in a place of darkness instead of in a place of light. Okay, 
but the, he it shouldn't be thought commonly that that's what Centaria is because it's not. So he's watching her at the same time that she's like rubbing the statue with oil. She's smoking a cigar oh. and blowing the smoke onto the statue. But then she also has some rum, a bottle of rum, sitting next to it. And she takes a swig from it. And he's like, wow. Sounds like a good time. So, yeah, that's what he, literally what he said. He was like, is she going to offer me a shot? I could take one, you know. Right. But then she like spits it all over this statue. Oh, my. Which kind of, yeah, took him back a little bit too. Like, dang, this is it's intense. getting a little, you know, intense. And he was kind of like, wow, she's really performing this. Obviously, this isn't her first time. But in his opinion, he felt like she was performing it at the level of like a high priestess. Like, what? This is. Like, she's a pro she's at this. She's doing the damn thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I do, you know, before we get all judgy. Can we remember that people in Catholicism and most Christian churches literally eat a cracker and drink juice, you know, and in ritual yeah. and call it the body and blood of Christ? Yes, so you're that eating, probably seems really the weird. Body. Yes, drinking the blood, getting the Holy Spirit, all of that. So it's I'm like sure cannibalism. I, right, really, it really is. People <laughs> are kidding. eating those Jesus. You uh, know, I'm kidding, and I'm not judging her no, at all. No, because there should be ritual in each religion. Mm-hmm. I and and that's just one in in Christianity. And so I'm not going to get judgy about this. This doesn't seem weird to me. Right. Now, did he? Did she notice him? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. But she barely. One of the things that was profound to him is that she didn't miss a beat. She knew he was watching, didn't miss a beat. But then later explained to him, she came back to bed and she explained it, explained it. She done did explained it. No, she explained <laughs> to him. She explained it. That she started that practice of that religion when she was introduced to it um, by her sister in Mexico City. And she had actually talked to what we would consider a priest, okay? And the priest gave her that statue, and he had, like, had a name for it and everything, and told her, you take this statue, and this statue is going to look out for you and for your children, because Lulu had two children of her own. Okay. He's going to help you find, she, this statue will help you find the man of your dreams and to have someone take care of you, all you had to do was give up everything and sacrifice for it and it'll come true and and continue to you know work with this statue worship do your rituals with the statue so lulu had not had an easy life she did flee from mexico she took her kids started a new life in in houston she drove 18 hours straight has an estranged ex an extreme exclude <laughs> she ha- is estranged from her ex-husband. It was it was a tumultuous, difficult situation. So she hasn't had things easy. So right. she really needs something to believe in. And Ramon knows this at this point in time. And so um, she is actually in the United States at this time on a visitor visa. So she's not legally allowed to work in the States. Uh but she paid the bills by cleaning houses and working as a masseuse. Oh. Yeah. The two had a normal courtship, although he does recall an incident where one of his friend, one of her friends visited, uh, Katia was her name, and the friend at dinner one night was literally like, you know what, Ramon? Why don't you marry Lulu and make her and her children citizens? Make her life easier. 
And Ramon explained, I just don't think that marriage, especially a second marriage, should be done for papers. Uh-huh. It should be done for love. And Lulu got really upset, slammed her hand down on the table, and and said, why are we even together then? I think that she put her friend up to this, don't you? Like, funny. hey, you know what? Funny that you say that, because later that night, she apologized for her outburst and reassured Ramon that she did not ask Katia to, <sighs> to say of course this. Not. She just came up with it on her own. Of course not. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, nevertheless... The two marry on March so 15th. They do, okay, so they did get married. They did, March 15th, 2009. And it was actually a year and a half later after they're married that they opened the Woodlands Boxing and Fitness Gym that became so successful that I was telling you about earlier that was making $20,000 a month. Oh, wow. Okay. He said he was very happy. He felt like dreams really do come true. His gym was pulling in about 200 clients. So he's like, we're talking awesome. eighteen to $20,000 a month at his gym. Um, and prior to this, he'd always worked a full-time job at a shipping company in addition to training his amateur boxers. So this gave him the opportunity to make training the boxers his full-time job. That's amazing. Yeah. We should start a gym. Yes, that's what we need to do. I mean, I'm... Free advertising on our podcast for it, too. <laughs> yes. We'll have I a really obscure name for it, yes, too. We, yes, we would. Sorry, random thought. <laughs> We're just going to call it Hot Dogs and Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so he says, he's like, you know, we get we got to buy a brand spanking new house. We were buying cars, motorcycles. Lulu likes to dress nice. Of course she does. She always loved to go into the store and buy anything that she wanted. I mean, who wouldn't nice. love that? It does yeah. sound like a dream. Ramon, sign me up. Sounds like they're living the fruitcake uh, life. For sure. But but, <laughs> but it's legit. An honest, yeah. yeah, it's an honest living. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, it was really, really good. Now, Lulu, it was said, Lulu was calling all the shots. She was in charge of the staff. She was in charge of that business. And the more successful that it became, the more obsessed she became with success. You know, that that yeah. old song and dance. It's like, I got a taste of the good life, and now I want more. Yes. And I want to guarantee that this continues and that it can, can't ever be taken away from me. And so she really did become very, very obsessed with it. I told you earlier that Ramon had three children. Um and that their names were Mitchell, Chris, and Mia. Good kids had, you know, they, I mean, they lived primarily with their mom, but they didn't have any qualms necessarily. Um, their blending of their family didn't go seamless and fantastic from what I understand, okay? But Lulu's kids were more accepting of Ramon because I think they just really didn't have much of a choice there living with him, right. you know, after they get married and whatnot. But the way that they parented was extremely different. I see. Ramon had boundaries. Ramon had expectations. Lulu did not. She wanted very much to be her children's best friend. They took advantage of her. They manipulated her, and she in turn enabled them. So that caused tension. In sure. the marriage, the blending, the hard blending of the children. The The other issue, too, is that Lulu didn't really let Ramon ever be a father figure to the kids. 
And their own father wasn't a father figure to the kids, so that caused resentment as well. Ramon does end up sponsoring Lulu, her mother, and her two teenage children to help them obtain U.S. citizenship. All of this took about three years after they were legally married to get set in stone. And so once it it was, and they're all of them, her mom, her, and her two children are legally citizens, there was a big relief, there was celebration, but Ramon says this is also when cracks started to appear in the marriage. Oh, no. Like those citizenship papers are signed, and now things aren't fantastic. Um, Lulu's kids had kind of fallen down some bad paths. They were um, Luis, her son Luis. Their, their names, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, their le- names were Luis and Carla. Uh, Luis had had fallen into some drug issues, um, and this and they knew they knew that this was going on. Carla would have visits in Mexico that didn't go well with her dad because her dad had a new family now and would spend more uh, her visit time worrying about them rather than spending time with her. So when she came back, obviously you know there's problems, unresolved trauma and issues there, and she's lashing out against Ramon. Um, then something happens. Luis was arrested for drug use, which came as no surprise to Ramon. They had all the signs. Right. They knew. He was sentenced to five days in juvenile deten- in a juvenile detention center. And when he came home, he admitted that he was addicted to drugs and they sent him to rehab, which he really did get good help there. But what was puzzling is that Lulu was more embarrassed than anything that a member of their family was, like, locked up for oh, any wow. given time for so drugs rather than Being worrying. concerned. Mm-hmm. So Ramon talks in his book about how he really tried very hard to work with this, to make this family work. They even went to therapy. But the therapist was very blunt and let Lulu know, you need to stop trying to be your children's friends. This isn't helping them at all. You need to be a parent And you do need to let Ramon have a say in the parenting, especially in the absence of a father figure in your kids' lives. And and you can take the fact that his three children are really well-adjusted and good kids to show almost like a reference for his parenting ability. He's a decent parent. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, let him in. She was not happy with this at all they only went to a few sessions because she was not receptive to it obviously the therapist wasn't telling her what she wanted to hear right she's basically saying like he's a better parent so take look at him yep let him in let him in Mm -hmm. yep nope she was she was not uh not liking that at all by 2012 her moods were fluctuating and unpredictable she was mean to his children favored her own those sorts of things And her obsession with running the gym and making it a continued success, like, consumed her, essentially. Uh, By 2015, Ramon's like, you know what, this is getting really bad. We need a vacation, okay? So they go on a vacation to Puerto Rico. Well, while there, they had a bit of an altercation. Now, what Ramon says of it is he said, she knew what what buttons to push to agitate me, which I think all... Married people do. Yeah. I, I, that's probably I certainly fair. know that my husband knows how to push my buttons and I hit his. That's for sure. And so she, he's like, you know, we got into like this back and this verbal back and forth. And all of a sudden Lulu is like, I'm going to call your mother. And Ramon's like, 
I took the phone out of her hand and said, the problem is between you and I. I'm a grown man. I don't need my mother. Right. So then Lulu calls hotel security and claims that he was abusing her and trying to take her phone. Oh, no. And after listening to both sides, the head of security told them just to sleep in separate bedrooms. Like, no charges were pressed, anything like that. In March 2015, Lulu files for divorce. But not just any divorce. Lulu files for uh, her divorce. Lulu files for a Sandra Gerzini Rucky divorce. Okay, I was wondering. That's we want listen prenup. to a previous episode if you don't know who I'm talking the, about. The lesson it's the of, girls are. It's called Nine Hundred and Forty Four Days Gone. Yeah. I think. So she wants. A, she wants it all. Everything. Okay. Everything. She wanted Again, for him to Kanye, leave. We yep. want a prenup. We want a prenup. Yeah. She wanted for him to leave. For her to keep everything, and he he remembers telling her, "If you want a divorce, we're going to divorce the right way. We split everything. Like that's what you do." Right. And nope, she wanted it all. How and would he, she have felt that she would be entitled to everything? I have no idea. I get. I don't get how people. Well, because she starts spinning a tale of abuse. Oh Lord, this again, which is not substantial. I will. I'm going to throw this out there right now because I don't think that it is fair to Ramon for you to ever think for one second that there was ever any evidence that he was abusive to this woman because he there is no evidence to substantiate it nothing not from family not from friends not from police cameras so she's using anything that. yes she's using how horrible he is and how abusive he is to try to justify why he she's entitled to everything so she even went as far is contacting sponsors of his that nonprofit that I told you about, the Young Prospects nonprofit, accused him of embezzling and causing them to drop Young Pro- Prospects as their sponsor, like if they drop their sponsorship. Oh my gosh! It had the the nonprofit had to close because of her. Oh my gosh, this is awful. She told friends. She told their gym clients that Ramon had abused her. Now, his relatives, everything, told, you know, E60 and other reporters that they have never, and investigators later, they never witnessed him hitting any family member, including Lulu. No one, he's not a, yes, he's a boxer, but he does not have a violent temper in his everyday life. Um, And... So now I'm going to tell you about another key person that's in this case. But again, this isn't necessarily a chronological thing. They met, this key person met Ramon a decade earlier. Okay. Okay. Before Lulu. Okay. This is 2015. So in 2005, this young man known as um, Mundo, that is not his real name and we will never know his real name and I will tell you later why had just walked out of jail. He had been acquitted after spending 14 months inside on a violent felony charge. Mundo had joined his local gang when he was 12. Oh, my gosh. He was shot six times in three incidences before he went to jail, just from that young of an age, if you can oh my picture God. that. Uh, I can't. My yeah, you have a son is almost 12. Right. I'm, uh, like, I can't wrap my brain around no. that. When he got out, His future wife gave him an ultimatum. Pick her or pick the violent neighborhood where he grew up. 
he chose her and moved to the other side of town. So Mundo's trying to, he picked love. He did eventually marry that girl and is trying to make himself look good. He's trying to make a better life for himself. Right, right. He was looking around the area for gyms and stumbled on a little place where one of the trainers, Ramon Sosa, always seemed to be surrounded by young fighters. And he's quoted saying his technique was different, Puerto Rican boxing. He looked like a professional boxer, and I was like, I want that. So at this point in time, Ramon had been a trainer for about 20 years before he met Mundo. And Mundo appeared, not Mundo, sorry, Mundo appeared in the little gym in 2005, and he was different, Sosa remembered. He said that he didn't, he wasn't looking for a fight He was looking to learn a new skill. He just wanted to know how to box. For Mundo, Ramon was the first male figure to look at him and take an interest in his life and try to help him. He set ground rules. He took it upon himself to check on him. Um, he, He held him accountable. I mean, he was a father figure, you know, for him. And, uh... Ramon was saying about Mundo that, you know, he had told me what had happened to him, the problems that he had had with the law, that he was a gang member, but he walked away from it. And he walked into Ramon Sosa's life, essentially. And Mundo is a big reason why the nonprofit was started. So that was like the inspiration. Yes. Yep. Kids like Mundo were the inspiration for the Young Prospects nonprofit. Now, so that's some history on Mundo and Ramon. Three months after Lulu had filed for divorce, Mundo walked into the gym on, and Lulu was in the office, the gym office, talking with her teenage daughter, Carla. And they were talking about some kid that had been at the gym earlier that day and his uncle being the kind of like some kind of like killer down in Mexico that dismembered bodies. Oh, and wow. Mundo's just like, why are you having this conversation with your teenage daughter? Right. But he heard Lulu say to her daughter, if that uncle of their, their gym client could maybe help, quote, with our situation. What? He overheard this in the gym? Yeah, yeah. He's in the office, you know, like, yes. Oh, my God. So he's like, wait a second. He knew of how bad. I mean, this is the three divorce. months after she filed for divorce, and it was it was bad, you know. He's friends with Ramon. He knows how bad it is. So he's like, I figured I was pretty sure that the situation was Ramon. So he's, like, playing his side of the of it, like, they're friends. I mean, why aren't? Why wouldn't they be friends? Mundo's been coming to that gym the whole time. You know, he's friends with Lulu, so he starts kind of probing her, and he's like trying to get more information out of her. Now, Mundo knows that Lulu knows he was a former gang member, right? So he uses this to his advantage of basically like, I know some people. What were you referring to? And she said, you know, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I wish that he would just leave. I wish the cops would just pick him up. I wish somebody would make him disappear. So 
He's like, what do you mean disappear? And then he made a pistol sign with his fingers and Lulu replied, yeah. So he's like, okay, she's made it very clear that she's wanting what she wants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He goes to start his workout. He didn't really get through his workout that day because he's just like, oh my God, yeah, she might yep. be actually thinking about doing this. When he was done with his half-ass workout, he goes back into the office and tells her, I might know somebody. Now, who he knows was Paco. Now, Paco is like a badass, a known scary badass name. I mean, Paco just sounds like I wouldn't want to mess with a Paco. There is, it's very well known in the gang circles that this Paco and John boy were, were pretty. Those sound like, like, yeah, typical. Yes. Um, well, I won't say typical, but like. I'm not messing with either of those people. No, no, not at all. And neither's Lulu because she's like, oh, okay, yeah. He's talking about how this Paco has a mural on on a building that's two stories high even of his face. Oh. Like Paco is really top of the chain. Revered. Uh Uh-huh. So as soon as he walks out of the gym, uh, he makes a call, but it's not to Paco. Instead, he calls Ramon, saying, uh, hey, yeah, do you know that your soon-to-be ex-wife, like, totally wants to kill you? I'm sure that's exactly what he sounded like, too. <laughs> Just like that. And he's like, Ramon's like, shut the fuck up. No. Like, like stop, on. you know, stop even. And she's like, no. I, I was in a gang. I know how people talk, and I know the look in their eye when they want to kill someone. And this lady. She wants, wants you to, dead. Yes, wants to kill you. So, of course, this is a little shocking for Ramon. And Mundo's like, he spent his workout concocting a plan. And he tells Ramon, you're going to play the hitman in your own murder. Okay? You're going to buy a burner phone. And I'm going to tell her that the number is Paco. Because that's who she's expecting to hear from. Oh, wow. And you're going to get her to set up your hit. Can I just tell you, this has some Tiger King vibes. I do Just saying. There's there's something. Joe Exotic was set up was in a similar up. way. He was, right? He wanted Carol Baskin's dead. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, yes. no. He was he did, convicted. He did, yes. He did want her dead. But he, he was yes, also he very was. much, you know, led into into mm-hmm. that. Free, mm-hmm. free Joe Exotic. Yes. <laughs> God. It just had a little bit of a Tiger King vibe. I had to call it. It, it does a little. It. And you're not going to believe the rest of this. Like, it's this shit's crazy. Oh, I'm already like, what? So they concoct this plan. They go over the details. And, and Mundo agrees that he should relay the message on the new phone. You know, like, basically, like, Paco is willing to kill Ramon, but what do you have to offer? And she's like, listen, I'll give you a $1,000 $1, cash along with Ramon's pickup truck. Oh my Which gosh. Like, first of all, do you understand that a real hit in from what I understand would be a lot more like a thousand, like really? That's not that much money for a it's hit. It's not. That's what I'm thinking. And, and I like I was just like, and I'll throw in his truck too. Yeah, he's not gonna, I'm not need, gonna it. need it anymore. How do people do this? Oh, gosh. So the interesting thing is that Mundo's choice of Paco was on purpose because have you ever seen the movie Blood In, Blood Out? 
Oh, a long, long time ago. Yeah, it has Benjamin Bratt in it. And he was Love very him. scary. Oh, me too. The story of three Chicanos navigating gang life in Los Angeles. And Paco was played by Benjamin Bratt, who was admired and feared that another character paints uh, his portrait on a cron- concrete wall alongside the Los Angeles River. And at the end of the movie, Paco turns out to be an undercover cop. Uh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So literally from the beginning, she was sending Lulu, or he was sending Lulu a warning, and she isn't smart enough to pick up on it. She's just... She's going with it. Yep, yep. So Mundo's like, you know, it just felt right (laughs) that he would be like, yeah, Paco's going to be contacting me. (laughs) And there's a mural of him on... So he just took this from the movie. Yeah, not a real person, ever. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of it Paco and John Boy. Nope. (laughs) They're not real. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure there is a Paco and a John boy somewhere, and maybe right? they are scary. They sound like scary for people. Sure. No, he made all of that out, up. He starts having secret recorded conversations with Lulu, hoping to gather evidence for Ramon. In one recording, she actually is telling, um, telling Paco, quote Paco, all about Ramon's watch collection. She's like, he's got a golden one, a bulova. A black one, which is a fossil. So she decides to use various watches, inexpensive jewelry, and an additional $500 cash as the down payment. Which Boulevard watches are not expensive. Neither are fossil watches. Not when we compare it to our other people that had those $75,000 right? watches. Those people are probably like, whatever. Right, Boulevard. Give me a break. <laughs> so just before the 4th of July happened, Lulu handed Mundo $100 for the fictional hitman to buy a stolen gun. With the cash in hand, Ramon and Mundo agreed that it's time to go to the police. But Ramon wanted Mundo to go too because, you know, he was really the one that, like, started this in motion. This is a difficult step for former gang members sworn, usually in blood, to never talk to police about anything. Ever. So Mundo says, even if I try to make people understand that it's to save my friend's life, it's still seen as snitching and ratting. We all know what happens to snitches. It's like a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And Mundo says, "Um, I broke a major code. There will be consequences. Oh, yikes. So he does go, and they walk into the Montgomery County Precinct 3 constable's office. And he said, Mundo actually said, like, I physically wanted to get ill. Like, his heart was nodding up. He was Like, he knew he was going to have to pay for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in the, um, so they do, they, they go, both of them go talk to the police And um, there's an interrogation video where a detective asks Mundo, has she specifically used the word dead? And Mundo's like, yeah. And he shows the text messages because all these messages are in Spanish. And so he's like, you see, uh, Murta, that means that's dead. Like he's trying to explain, you know, hey, this is how this is going. Near the very end of the video, Mundo becomes, he comes forward with the police and says, listen, I used to be a gang member and I've got a criminal history. So 
I, I really think that that's why she chose me uh-huh. and was attracted, you know, attached. Sharing that. Yeah. Info. Even though he's was friends with um, Ramon for so long, I think she just really stereotyped his past. Sure. She's and like, so he, he could help me. Yeah. He comes forward with that. And that's when he tells the detective, you know, I broke a major code doing this and there's going to be consequences. Now, Lieutenant Mike, Lieutenant, no, Lieutenant Mike Adkins describes, described how when he's sitting in with Mundo, he's like, okay, is this, is this like for real? Cause there's a pending divorce. Like what it is It would be really, hard to believe it. Yeah. What's really going on? But he checks Mundo's criminal history. And the stories that he gave about his childhood and everything checked out. And, you know, Lieutenant Atkins knows the seriousness of him breaking that code with the gang, even though he's not an active member anymore. And that is what makes him believe him, is that he knows. He said, um, yeah, he did get into trouble when he was young. There has been absolutely no recent activity. And I know what a code he broke and what that could mean for his family and for him. So I've got to take this guy seriously. He's like, it really showed a lot of character that him coming in on his own free yeah. will like this. Yeah, I bet. So he decides, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that Ramon Sosa's life is in extreme danger at this point. But they think they could kind of keep this going for a bit. So he wants Mundo to keep recording Lulu. Now, Mundo did not like this, but he's like, I have to, you know, at at this point in time. And so all in all, there was at least 12 conversations, all in Spanish, that were recorded over the course of three weeks. Lulu's in a little bit of a panic because he's telling Mundo, like, Ramon, we are scheduled to sign divorce papers on July 22nd. All of this has to go down before he signs those divorce papers. Yeah. So, quote, Mundo, I'm desperate. I can't stand this anymore. I have a giant headache. I have everything to lose. I'm sick, sick, sick of all this paperwork. This fucker hasn't even given me a single penny since February. Nothing. They better kill him before the 22nd. That way I'll have insurance for life, a pension for life. My life will be all figured out. Mundo, do you know what I'm saying? He has worked hard all his life for his retirement. Well, now it's time for me to work hard on my retirement. This is my retirement, Mundo. His life is my retirement. Oh, my God. Yeah. She really sucks. Yeah, she can straight lick my asshole. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> Bef- I've got no good been. things to say. Of oh course. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she is heartless. Mm-hmm. She even has said, like, he's worked hard his whole life. I know. That's and now what I'm going to get me. mine. Yep. He has worked hard his whole life for his retirement, but now it's, now mine. it's mine. His life is my retirement. That oh, is chilling. She's gross. For sure. She is gross. So she's worse than Joe Exotic. She oh, for sure. Give me Joe Exotic any day. Right. Over somebody like that. And the mullet. I mean yeah. just saying. Ugh. I hope she has one. Heartless. Anyway, so Mundo says, so from here until the court date on the twenty second, you want to have him killed. Yes, she says. On the recordings, um, she is heard several times saying this, but Mundo is telling her several times, you know, at any time you change your mind, nothing happens. We can stop this. Like, no one's forcing you to do that. Do you understand that no one is forcing you to do this and that at any moment 
you can change, you know, call me. It's done. It's just you know, like change- really setting this up. Yes. Like, and you don't have to do this. Also, I think it's very smart. And I'm sure the detectives told him, you know, to, to outline this so that the defense can't say you pushed her into this. Right. You made her do this. Right. Be- it was you two collaborating against her, forcing her to agree to a hit on him. So he very clearly is like, hey. Giving her choices. We d- yeah, we don't have to go through with this. At any time you want, you know, can, is there any other plan? Like, nobody's forcing you to do it. And she says, it's a decision I already made. If I say it, I do it. Oh, my God. She is hand-serving herself. So in one final attempt, Mundo texts her in Spanish, just remember, once he's dead, there's no coming back from that. And she wrote back, clearer than water. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So then Mundo is wearing a hidden camera, and he is taking Lulu to meet Paco. Okay? Because she's got to pay him right. to do this, you know, the down payment. Now, Paco is actually one of the detectives. Wouldn't you know Wouldn't it? you know. So he never, Lulu never suspects that he's actually an undercover officer. She climbs into the front seat of the officer's truck and Mundo gets into the back seat. The officer, you know, is speaking Spanish, is saying what's up, you know, and she instantly just starts going on of, well, what hasn't he done to me? That SOB. I mean, I just can't deal with all this. Talking about how all the horrible stuff that Ramon has done to her to justify why she wants him dead. The undercover cop replies, so this guy, do you want him pretty beaten up? Well, fucked over? Do you want us to beat him up or what? She's like, no, no beating. She says without hesitation, I want him dead. Do you want to talk to him, give him a last message, the officer asks? No, I don't want to talk to him, Lulu says. He's like, so you just want him fucked over. You want him dead. I want him dead, she affirms. And she said, for me, it is better if he is dead than for him to continue screwing up my life. She just wanted all of the the funds. Absolutely. Everything. She wanted her U.S. citizenship and she wanted his money. I ask you, and actually Ramon brings it up in the book, but I was thinking it before he before I got to that part. Did she purposely step on his toe? That night, you know, he was wearing a expensive gold watch and a Versace sweater. And you can't tell me she couldn't pinpoint pick those things out. Oh, yeah. She's like, this is what I need. And there was a reason that she was in this upscale nightclub when she was a masseuse and a maid. And she was there by herself. Yeah. She was With, scoping out for a man. Yep. You know, she dressed the part, got into that club. Yeah. So I just, I really wonder. And he, he later reflects on that, too, like. Was, was it a setup? a setup from Honestly, the beginning to get her citizenship? I know. He raises a valid point. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lieutenant Atkins actually watched the whole thing go down from a, a, an undercover vehicle where she gave him the down payment. And he's like, she had no emotion, none whatsoever. No sympathy, no empathy, nothing. He's like, these are the truly, truly most dangerous individuals. Yes. The ones that have no feeling whatsoever for what they're doing. I think both of our perpetrators this week yes. ha- have no soul. They they have a lot in common, that's for sure. Rem- Mundo remembers getting out of the truck with Lulu and is like, we shook hands, but I didn't even want to touch her. He's like, it when it's not because I hated her, it's just like sadness. 
I, and he said too, like he knew he had just set her up. It, the deal is done. He set her up completely. Oh yeah. They got her. It was her own doing that did it, but he also felt a little bit remorse because like he's supposed to be her friend too. Right. But still like, dude, he want, but, but she wants to kill your, your other friend. Like, this isn't okay, you know, but he even has that much empathy. Here's this woman that has none, and he has so much that he's, like, feeling a little sadness of the fact that he knows he just sealed, put the, you know, nail in the coffin, essentially. They hugged, even, and he's like, ugh, like, she's really going through with this, and it's just icky. Sure, I, I would feel really icky, too. But now she's expecting photos. She wants oh, a, she wants the photos too. She wants a photo to show that he the hit is done because you know he doesn't get the rest of his money until there is proof that he's dead, dead, not just like disappeared. She wants the she photo. wants the photos. Oh. Sick bit, right? So this yeah. is really funny. Officers watch some YouTube videos on makeup tutorials like death makeup tutorials and crime and they use some crime scene like photos and things like that to literally put blood and a gunshot wound on Ramon's head and I have the pictures I will I will post them oh my gosh yeah they went to the grocery store got corn syrup and food coloring to make blood and borrowed the makeup kit that's usually used for disaster drills Uh uh-huh and they they dug him a grave. They put a bullet, like a gunshot wound look on his head. And it looked really real. And they did this perfect square grave. And they had him lay down and take pictures in his own essential grave. Oh, my God! And there he was. And they sent them. They did. They sent them. Yep. I've never heard something so crazy. Right? Yep. And, of course, and it's funny to read in the book when Ramon's like, He's just laying there. Like, how crazy would that be, Amber, to lay? To fake your own death? Yep. Thinking just your, lay there. your ex, soon-to-be ex-wife is like, like this could have been a reality. This. Yes. This could have been a reality, you laying with a gunshot wound had to your head. she found the right yep. person, it yep. would have happened. It would have. Yep. And she's like, he's like, I'm sitting there with his eyes closed thinking, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing here? Like, yeah, it had to have felt super crazy. I bet. And he goes, I thought about Lulu. Lulu. Like, why did it have to come down to this? It could have been a simple divorce. It should have never happened. And then he realizes as he's laying there in his own grave, she never loved me. Aww. Yeah, honey. I, I think so. Yeah. That started to cross my mind as this is unfolding of, like, maybe yeah. it was all part of a plan. Yep. Yeah. Then, on, ironically, on July 22nd, because then Ramon, Ramon goes into hiding. Okay. On July 22nd, ironically, the date of their supposed to be divorce hearing, Lulu climbs back into the into Paco's truck and um the officer the officers, of course, Paco, tell him, you know, we got him this morning, shows him shows her the photos. There's no visible reaction whatsoever. She's just like, "All right, I've got $1,000." She gives them $1,000, so this is closing the deal. They they showed the pictures is closing the deal. And he shows the picture and says, what do you think? And she's still no emotion, anything, and says, he won't be getting up anymore, and then laughs. She cracked a joke. She cracked 
a joke. Oh my gosh. And Atkins is like, uh, that was bone chilling. It's disgusting. Gross. That and is he's gross. He's sitting in this truck with her while she's being so just sees the picture of him and is like, well, he won't he won't be getting up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I that would have like any guilt I had would have been gone at that point. I'm like, okay, yep. she deserves this. Yep, yep. With Ramon in hiding the next morning, um, they do go into the gym. And they tell Lulu that they've received a missing re- missing person report for her husband. She doesn't have an explanation of where Ramon is. She hasn't seen him. He's like, so then we have her lying to us immediately, which is also good for their slam dunk case, you know. At that point, the jig is up. She knows the jig is up. Police officers um, put Lulu in handcuffs in front of her mother and her teenage daughter transported her to the same interrogation room in which they had interviewed Mundo, which is ironic. All she says at first is that she won't speak without her lawyer. So the police took her to jail. October 2016, 15 months later, she pleaded guilty to solicitation of capital murder. She never looked at Ramon during the sentencing. and she I'm was glad he was there. <laughs> Me too. I'm glad that he showed up. Me too. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Uh, no one from her family ever spoke publicly in her defense, which what with a yeah. slam dunk like that, what are you going to say? Right. There's, there there's, is no defense. She was caught through a series of texts mm-hmm. and literally telling a detective, that, yes, I want him dead. Yep. Her last attorney on record, because she went through some. <laughs> does oh, that I'm sound sure. familiar? Yes, it does. Um, they are not authorized to speak on her behalf. She's going to do all the speaking for herself. Okay, honey, you already have done enough. Yeah, yeah done please enough. keep digging yourself a hole here. And she's in a state prison in Gatesville, Texas. Oh. Not a federal, which is awesome. She would not res- respond to ESPN's attempts at contacting her for her side for their story. Shocking. So, I'm so surprised. Really not one. Oh, she sounds like a horrible person. Now, on the E60, they don't ever show Mundo's face. Okay, Mundo is is still in hiding. We don't know his real name. Um, he has gotten backlash for what he did. For he, he worked with the police. He broke the code of the gang. And um, he was willing to be on the documentary for ESPN, um, actually said, you know, no one has ever asked me like, Hey, how do you feel in all this? And he's like, you know, I feel broken, not just for his friends, but you know, for him too, because of what it's cost him. He did self publish a book called my son Mundo. It is a, (laughs) it's a story of a man quote, forced to make a final decision after his drawn back into conflict with the law due to a threat of his mentor and boxing trainer. He said some of it really happened, some of it didn't. So it's like kind of based on his life, but but there are fictional aspects oh, to it. Gotcha. And the reason that he wrote the book was to try to make enough money to get his family out of Houston. Oh. Because his family is in danger because of what he did. Right. Of trying right. to save his friend's life. So he said, for me to have a happy ending is security for my family. And when asked if he was worried about himself, he said no. Then he got a little emotional and is like, I really don't like your question. He feels a little, I was getting the impression that he feels a little jilted about how he was promised protections and he hasn't really been given it. 
um, Atkins did give him his phone number and was like, call me anytime you need me. Well, Mundo has never called him. Of course, he is still a police officer, so that's probably why. Right. Um, so he has, they have not spoke since. He's taken certain cautions to protect himself, but he has not received, you know, all of the protection that he thought. He was directly asked if, like, were one of the protections, Ramon, that you're referring to, and he's like, you know, if somebody helps you and helps save your life, you shouldn't leave them out to dry. You just shouldn't do that. They haven't spoken in the last two years. Ramon's now 51. He said, you know, when he talks about Mundo, he's like, we don't talk as much as we used to. Kind of drifted apart a little bit. Probably um, after going through all that. It's together, yeah, yeah. You know, what do they say in the movie Speed? Relas- relationships based on intense situations never last. Like, I think this was just Could a real traumatic, rela- you know, situation. That The other thing Ramon said, though, is he's like, you'd really don't under, he doesn't understand that Lulu left me with a lot of debt. He continues working his day job while also training fighters. Uh, he recently declared break- bankruptcy, had to move out of his house, and the gym that he and Lulu shared is closed. He lives in a small apartment and has put all of his possessions into Aww. storage. He's like, this is all that she's left me with. And he pulled out the plastic bag that contained his watches and the cash that Lulu paid. Um, that was the evidence that she was paying to try to kill him. That is so sad. I'm sure that had to have been so emotionally damaging for him to know that for sure. this woman that he loved. Yes. Yep. This is what your life was worth to him. A, a watch. And five hundred dollars cash. Yes, that. Oh my gosh, my heart yeah. breaks for him. Yeah, he's like, you know, I was a good husband. I treated her well. All I have to say is that my God knows what really happened. Now, can I play devil's advocate? Sure. So, do you think that she would have fully carried this on had he not been there, available, and put himself out there? You know, that day when she was saying those Mundo, things. I do. I do. Th- I think that these were her intentions all along, really, is to find a man that was so wealthy. Th- do you think that she would have She would have found somebody else if yes, Mundo wouldn't have yes, done it? I, I do 100% believe okay. that she would have found someone, um, whether, I mean, they got caught or, or whatnot. Gotcha. I don't know, but I I think that in at that point in time in their relationship, she was done. She wanted everything. You know, she remember she was really really obsessed with the success and not having anything taken from her. Yeah. She was obsessed with the success of the gym. So, I do think that, you know, the the divorce is just like I think she planned it before she filed for divorce of I wonder if the, I can get rid of him if he's game. not going to give me everything cuz she filed for divorce and asked for everything. If he's not going to concede to that, then I'll get it one way or another. How awful! I, don't know. I was yep. just—I was just kind of curious what you thought yeah. about that. I—I I will end on some words of Mundo that I found that were at the end of the the uh, E60 article as well. Lieutenant Atkins thinks that it took a lot of moral courage for Mundo to come in and stand up and do stand up for what was right. Mundo says, "I appreciate his point of view, but you know." To some people, I'm still a rat. And he asks rhetorically, like, what would you, what would everybody else do in my situation? He knows the rules. He knows the consequences. I saved my friend's life. That's all that matters. Aww. And so there, I mean, he's still just out there in possible danger for doing this. And it's kind of sad, though, because it doesn't sound like either one of them really 
has a happy ending, no, really. Other, other than being alive. Right. You know, I, but I it agree. Really, it sounds like it was so damaging to both of them. Yes. Yep. I, financially, you know, not to bring it back to Tiger King, but, you know, Ramon will never financially recover from this. <laughs> right. And I mean, Lulu seriously. is in prison for 20 years. And this is so, so Joe Exotic. What's sad to me is that they were wealthy. They were doing well. Half of his stuff would have been sufficient. Right. You greedy bitch. Right. Like, what why did you have to take it all? Like, what? No, just divorce him. That was an option. Get out of Even half of that is more than what you had yes. before. And uh, I for mean, sure, you fled Mexico with nothing. Right. And now you're wearing Versace. Please, and, like, please don't on. do this to me with Crime Curious. I if, won't. If you don't I, get I the big not. eyes, don't Joe Exotic me. <laughs> Very tiny eyes over here. It's okay. Don't Joe Exotic. Me. You know what? We could say that about a lot of different yes, situations. We really could. <laughs> don't Joe Exotic me. I'm making it a thing. Oh my God. It should it's go a, on a t shirt. It's official vocabulary. Right. We have it. Oh, another t shirt. Yes. yes. Don't Joe Exotic me. <laughs> Uh, shall oh, I leave goodness. you on a high note? Please do. Um, this was sent to us by a wonderful listener. I don't have permission to use her name, so I'm not going to. But I I wasn't being ironic when I said a high note. Because I thought you may have had a little pun in there. You do know me. So this is from the Tennessean.com, which I just think is fun. That's, that that, that is fun. Yes. The Tennessean. This is the... Uh, the headline. Attorney. Man who smoked marijuana in Wilson County courtroom. Apologetic, but not a stunt. <laughs> a Lebanon man arrested for smoking marijuana in a crowded Wilson County courtroom while in front of the judge apologized through a lawyer who said this is not a stunt. <laughs> Spencer Boston was jailed for 10 days for contempt after police say that he lit up and smoked marijuana in front of Judge Hayward Berry on January 27th, just recently. Oh, I'm sorry. This article is from 2020. My bad. So not too long ago. Boston, who was released on February 6th on a $3,000 bond, is being represented by attorney Blake Kelly, who issued this statement. Mr. Boston has willingly taken responsibility, paid his fine, done his time for his traffic violation, and his contempt of court. Yes, he was in court on a traffic violation and and lit lit up. up a doobie. Oh my gosh. He is apologetic to the Honorable Judge Hayward Berry for his peaceful, orderly protest in the court, (laughs) of which Mr. Berry presides. Mr. Boston will continue to peacefully protest the unjust laws pertaining to a non-lethal medicinal this her- is what herb. The, the attorney was saying, oh my gosh. It's not a stunt. This, this is, is great. This was him peacefully protesting. He was peacefully protesting in the court. At the time, Boston was advocating for legalization of marijuana when he lit up in court, according to the police report. This a, is so good. A GoFundMe was started. Entitled Free Spencer Boston, and it raised $7,240. Oh my gosh. With 458 donors as of noon on Wednesday of this This man became a local hero. He did. We must ask why we are allowing our government to spend billions of dollars to keep a non lethal 
herb illegal, Kelly said in a text message. We must follow the money, the billions, that are made by keeping a non-lethal medicinal herb illegal. We, the people, deserve better. Yeah. He was also charged with disorderly conduct and simple possession. Wow. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to peacefully protest at work tomorrow with some booze. (laughs) I demand less stress. It's booze isn't illegal, but it's probably against company policy to drink it on the job. It it is, but I demand better stress relief at work. So I'm doing it. I'm I'm curious. So kidding. Please don't fire me. (laughs) I'm curious to know if therapeutic advice gets better. With intox- the increase of intoxication levels. This is a study. Oh, we should do a study. We should. We should. Record, you know, with willing participants. Of course. A session with you sober. And one with you <laughs> buzzed. And then one straight trashed. I want to see how the... You know what? I could become a local advice. hero. <laughs> I, I might be, build clientele just from doing this. We're just collecting. It's for science. Scientific evidence. Should therapists be bombed every time they're giving therapy? Yeah. Because maybe their advice is better. It's more bold. I bet it is. We're not beating around the bush, honey. He cheated on you. Leave his ass. (laughs) It's juicier. It's edgy. Yeah. I just want to make the disclaimer that I would never do that to any of my clients. Of course not. No, this is just I, may, us being I remain funny. professional at all times. You yes, yeah. Half the time on this podcast, even, and I have to remind you, you're not in therapy. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right. You can say I can penis. let loose once in a while, like the time that you were like, "I'm sorry, guys, but there's some language," and it said balls. <laughs> I was like, is that the fucking language? I just said the F word. And you're like, this talks about a man's mm, balls. No. <laughs> oh, that just reminded me I of love you. brain bath um, with the fleas. Ugh. That's the one that I'm talking about. Become a Patreon, guys. In the beginning of that entire sentence, you were like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. There's some language here. <laughs> and it's because it was talking exclusively. I was going to say balls. Yes, about yeah. the man's. Yes. But mm-hmm. when you get fired up, you swear, and I don't even oh, think you I realize do. it. I do. Yeah. yeah. It's anyway, true. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And we hope that you continue to listen. Keep it curious. Follow us on social media. Give us a review if you like us. That'd be cool. And write us case suggestions, crimecuriousyahoo.com, or on any of our socials, or send us a brain bath. Maybe you've got your own um, fleas in the testicle story. <laughs> Yeah. We all shoot it our we way. We all have all a been fleas there. in the testicle story <laughs> of our own. Yeah, so send them on. Yeah. And uh, until next time, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>